0: Yes, well, happy Student Appreciation Day. Hope you guys feel appreciated. I understand there's some free Starbucks coffee somewhere. I haven't found that yet. Um, It's good to be with you. For those visiting, my name's Ron Brown, and I'm campus minister here with Reformed University Fellowship. It's good to be with you in chapel this morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, I'll begin with verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went out with Barnabas to Derbe, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work, that had, for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time With the disciples. Father, we thank you for gathering us together this morning. We thank you for your word and for the encouragement of gathering together as a group of Christians. I pray, Father, that you would also encourage us in our participation in the local church by your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is Let's Hear It for Bad Preaching and Worship. It's taken from a 1980 article in the magazine The Wittenberg Door. The Wittenberg Door is uh, sort of the national lampoon of Christendom. I don't think it's in print anymore. Sort of an irreverent look at all things Christian. And basically the premise of this article was that the only thing that people really paid attention to in most worship services... Was the sermon. Everybody really sort of waited to get to the sermon. And so the article, in a tongue in cheek kind of way, said, you know, when we have mediocre preaching that's sort of boring, uh, the good thing about that is we actually put the emphasis on the worship. And it's a good thing to put the emphasis on the worship. Now, things have changed a lot since 1980. We definitely put the emphasis on worship. You can uh, pretty much get any kind of worship you want, and people are passionate about it. You can have classical worship. You can have alternative country worship. You can probably find metalcore worship. I mean, any sort of variety that you want, uh, you can get it. And today, then, what I'd like to do, picking up off of this sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, Wittenberg-Door approach, I'd like to say, let's hear it for bad preaching and worship. Uh, just for the record, I'm not for heretical teaching and I'm not for unbiblical worship. I'm just saying, let's maybe put the focus on some other things that oftentimes we neglect to look at about the local church and about the church of Jesus Christ. What's good about the church? Well, first of all, we're gonna back up a little bit before focusing on the local church to talk about the church universal and the church invisible. When theologians throw around that jargon, the universal church, they're talking about those who do, will, or have believed in Jesus Christ. Those, all of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And we see that the Bible does speak of this universal group of people called the church. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2.12, and following, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, that people all over the world and people from the past and people in the future who believe in Jesus Christ are part of this universal church. We can also speak of the invisible church. It's invisible in the sense that we can't peer into somebody's heart and know whether they have faith in Jesus Christ, and we can't glimpse into heaven and see all of those that have gone on before us that are in heaven Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, speaks of this invisible church in this way, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We can also speak of the church as connectional. In other words, the church is made up not only of local bodies, local expressions of the church, but elders and leaders from the various churches coming together in a connectional way. Uh, They have authority. They have the ability to make statements and direct the church of Jesus Christ. And we see this, an example of it in Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, there's a problem that needs to be addressed. And so what happens? The apostles and the elders come together to confer to make pronouncements related to the church at large. So Acts 15.6 says, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And then in Acts 15.22, the conclusion of the matter was, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And so they, they sent with Paul and Barnabas this pronouncement that they had made. So God at the church is universal, it's invisible, it's big, and it's also connectional. Um, I had a student here, a girl uh, several years ago, say to me that, you know, I love RUF because I love the parachurch. And I said to her, that's great that you love the parachurch, but RUF is not the parachurch. She kind of looked at me kind of quizzically and said, well, you're not a local church. And I said, no, absolutely not. We're not a local church, but What happened was a group of elders in the denomination I'm part of, Presbyterian Church of America, came together from all different churches in a presbytery and they said, we would like to put an RUF and a campus minister at Covenant College. And Covenant College said, we would like to have one. They worked together. So my work is approved. I was ordained, I was installed as campus minister here. And they oversee the work. This group of churches and people associated with these churches come together. They oversee the budget of RUF at Covenant College. They care for my soul. Uh, They ask me how I'm doing. They pray for me. They're part of the church. And so we're an expression of the ministry of the church, the connectional church, here to Covenant College. So the church is connectional. But And oftentimes we only think of the church in terms of visible um, and local. And so I wanted to state that at the outset that the church is more than that. But I want to invest most of the rest of this time talking about the local church. And there have been uh, sort of a movement afoot. Uh, More and more people in the general American culture uh, are moving away from connection to a local congregation. Um, Just uh, just recently, this poll came out from Pew Research Center that found that nearly one in five, about 20% of Americans say they have no religious affiliation. And many of those people who say they have no religious affiliation say they are spiritual but not religious. And what they mean by that is they don't have any connection to a local congregation of any kind but still consider themselves to be spiritual. What is biblical Christianity? What does it look like? Well, here's what Ron Sider observed about the Bible. I don't necessarily always approvingly quote Ron Sider, but in this case, he got it right. The very purpose of Christ's coming to earth, the New Testament declares, was to create a holy community, Titus 2.14. God's grand strategy of redemption does not focus on redeeming isolated individuals. It centers on the creation of a new people, a new community, a new social order that begins to live now the way the creator intended. That is clear through all the scripture. From the calling of Israel out of Egypt to the final book of the Bible, Jesus was not a lone ranger who made private house calls on isolated hermits or autonomous individuals. Jesus did not go around the country whispering to isolated hermits, your sins are forgiven. Jesus gathered together a, su- a circle of disciples. He formed a new community of forgiven sinners who began to live according to Jesus' kingdom values and challenged the status quo where it was wrong. Yes, Jesus did come to redeem individuals, but he also definitely came to bring them into a community called the church that community of forgiven sinners. And there are numerous examples of expressions of the local church in the New Testament sprinkled all over it. So here are some of them. Romans 16.1, I commend you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centri. Romans 16.5, greet also the church in their house. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.2, to the church of God that is in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house. 2 Corinthians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the church of God at Corinth. Colossians 4, 15, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in their house. Colossians four sixteen. and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read to the church of the Laodiceans, First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, Philemon's 2, and, and Aphia, our sister, Archippus, and our fellow soldier, and the, the church in your house. Churches are mentioned in the book of Revelation. 1 Timothy and Titus lay out the authority and the structure and the practical ministry of the local church. So God tells us that the local church is important. What is the local church? It's not a building. It's made up of individuals that come together. And the church is made up of individuals that regularly meet at a building. But it's not the building itself. The church is not some sort of gelatinous blob, ethereal structure. Being a church means something. Uh, The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is preached. We have the word of God. We have the sacraments of the Lord's Supper. In baptism, a church discipline that takes place where people are lovingly called on to repent when they err and they stray, people who are concerned about that, you have an authority structure clearly taught of the church in Scripture, and it's a place where people know you and love you and where you know and love people. Covenant College is not a local church. It's where a lot of Christians gather together, even on a morning like today, and we worship God, we hear from God's word, but we are not a local church. Campus fellowship groups like RUF are not a local church. I'd love for you all to be part of RUF. I think there's a lot of benefit to it. I was talking to somebody yesterday at our our 11 o'clock meeting, and she was saying, I'm really busy this week, so I wanted to come because when I'm really busy, I need more Uh, input and encouragement. Fantastic. When I was at Florida State as an RUF campus minister, I would speak with students and say, if you only have one hour to be involved in some kind of um, religious, uh, communal uh, worship time, don't come to RUF large group. Go to your local church. Now, the reality is you have more than an hour, but the point was the church is extremely important. The local church is extremely important. And RUF and other fellowship groups are not a local church. So if it's so important, what are some of the impediments to being involved in the local church? And there are impediments, I think particularly <coughs> excuse me, particularly for you as college students. And one of the biggest ones is just kind of on a demographic level, uh, college students are mobile. You're um, you're home for part of the year, then you're here for part of the year, and even when you're here for part of the year, you go on fall break, and you're you're there for a month over Christmas, and spring break, and in between, you're doing who knows what. And as a result, sometimes I feel like college students sort of fall into this black hole of church ministry. You have things that are offered to um, preschoolers, and nursery, and elementary school, and middle school, and high school, And then uh, career people and then young uh, marrieds and all the way to senior adults that oftentimes college students don't really fit into some uh, strategic uh, church initiative. Why? Because you're here and then you're there. So I think there is the reality that this can be difficult and it's something that you have to overcome uh, in terms of your involvement in the local church, whether it's here or at home. Uh, In the local church, people are not like you, and it can make it more difficult for you to develop fellowship with them. And that is precisely one of the reasons why you absolutely need to be involved in the local church, to be where people are not like you, to be around older people who have wisdom, to serve uh, those that are younger than you you, that you can give input to. It's part of the reason why we have a difficult time. College students can have a difficult time uh, being involved in the local church. You know, this environment here at Covenant College, uh, more than any other point in your life, is going to be a time when you are with people like yourself in Christian community. Uh, the only other time I could think of there you might be is if you actually go to a retirement home, a Christian retirement home. Uh, and then another similarity will be you will eat dinner at 5 o'clock, just like you do here. Uh, <laughs> Why is that? I don't get that. But anyway, um, so most likely, this is going to be a time in your life when you are going to be around people most like you. And it's easy, relatively easy, for you to develop fellowship in this context. It's more difficult in the local church, but you absolutely need to take the initiative to do it. It's important. It's worth it. Seniors, you're going to graduate, and many of you Uh, have experienced the closest fellowship, the closest relationships and friendships that you've ever had, uh, perhaps in your entire life. And as you contemplate leaving and and, uh, moving, uh, you might fall into sort of a minor depression uh, because you're anticipating having to go through the whole process all over of getting to know people, developing fellowship, and... You probably forgot what it was like to come here to Covenant College your first year, maybe as a freshman, maybe not knowing a lot of people, and it did take some energy and effort to do that. Uh, The difference is, of course, you're around people, for the most part, like yourself, and it's easier to do that. So when you get out, you need to take the initiative. You need to spend time in prayer, concerted effort, to seek to get to know people at the local church church to develop those relationships with them, and it's going to take time, but it's worth it. When I got out of college, I traveled around the country for a year. Um, what I would do is I would pick a spot on the map, I would go there for six weeks, and then I'd pick another spot on the map, and I'd go there for six weeks, and I picked another spot on the map, and I'd go there for six weeks. I did that for a whole year. Um, and when I, Obviously, I needed a job, so I looked for a job, and the other thing I did was I looked for a church. And I, unwittingly, I was doing sort of this little experiment on how to find a church and how to get plugged into a church really quickly. And I was in desperate need of fellowship. I mean, I was, I was lonely because I was out there on my own doing these things. And so what I would do is um, the first Sunday morning, I would go to three different churches, early uh, service, late service, evening service. And then the next week, I would go to three different churches Six churches in two weeks, and then I'd make a decision. Didn't have the luxury of being picky. Make your decision, get involved. And I also kind of learned something about finding fellowship in the local church. Uh, very interestingly, um, as I would go and get involved in the church and try to get involved in ministry and just some way to, to know and to meet people, um, and asking people to go out and get coffee, I found that surprisingly not everybody wanted to spend time with me Uh, Maybe it was this strange, you know, ex-college student traveling around the country. You know, what in the world is he doing? Uh, But uh, other times people are just busy. And I think if I had been in more of a stable context, I would have been tempted to uh, lick my wounds and feel sorry for myself. Frankly, I didn't have the time to do it. I just had to get up and move on and find somebody else. And I discovered something that everywhere I went, I could find fellowship. Had to be motivated, I had to be intentional, uh, but I did it, and I just commend that to you as seniors that you can find fellowship after you graduate from Covenant College, but you need to be intentional about it if you 're a student here, not a senior, uh, haven 't already found a church home, I would urge you to find a church home to be involved in the local church. Do the same thing. Visit a few churches, get plugged in, get to know people, use your gifts, become part of a community like a Sunday school class or a small group or some other avenue to get to know people. The Bible, again, doesn't speak of the church as this kind of ethereal, nebulous thing. It's got structure to it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we find that people can be outside, formally outside of the church community, and inside, formally, the church community Um, and so we have the foundation of church membership, I would really recommend that you join a church while you're in college. Oftentimes, churches have associate memberships for just that purpose, where people can uh, formally affiliate with a local church and say, I want to be part of this church. I want to, uh, to benefit from the fellowship and commit to be part of this church using my gifts and being served as I serve others in Jesus Christ, and just a just a brief word about your home churches. It, it seems like that there are one or two extremes that students have when they come from home. Their home church, one is their home church is the pinnacle church. There's no church better than their home church, and every other church is going to be measured by that church and found wanting. Um, the other extreme, though, is more and more and more students feel detached from their home church. And I, I want to encourage you, um, while that is a very natural thing to feel, to really understand that for most of your, most of you, the folks in your home church really love you, really care about you, and to take advantage of that and to nurture that when you're at home, uh, to seek to be engaged, to take advantage of the counsel of pastors and elders and other wise people in your home church. I think you'll find... Uh, that they really do care about you. Again, it'll take initiative because you're moving back and forth from college to home. I've seen students benefit from getting involved in small group ministry at Rock Creek. I've seen people benefit from doing youth work in other ministries and Sunday school at Lookout Mountain Prez. Um, I've seen college students become part of the family community of Chattanooga Valley Presbyterian Church. I've seen students connect deeply with families at my own church, First Presbyterian Church. And by giving just a few examples, I'm not trying to slight other churches in Chattanooga. There's too many examples to mention. Many, many good churches. I think I am safe to say this, that there probably will not be an area where you live in that has more great per capita churches to choose from. Uh, This really is uh, almost a unique area. And lots of diversity, different types of churches, take advantage of that while you're here. Get involved in a local church. Within the past week, I've seen two different students um, just kind of casually on campus having uh, very serious, tearful conversations with two different pastors from two different churches. Obviously, this wasn't their first conversation. These students got to know their pastors from their churches. I think that's great. What a wonderful benefit to be able to do that with with leaders and others from your church. Seniors, you have to decide um, where you're going to live after you graduate. And one of the factors that should be in deciding where to live is whether there are good churches where you're going to live. That should be on your radar screen. God may call you to move into an area, to be missional, to plant a new church, but part of why you go, where you go, not just when you graduate from college, but for the rest of your life, should be, am I going to be able to go uh, to an area and find a church where the word of God is faithfully preached, um, where the gospel is upheld, where there's an opportunity for wonderful fellowship, an opportunity for me to serve, and to be served. And avoid the temptation to church hop, uh, especially when you graduate. And that's also true for you students here at Covenant. Find a church, stick with it. Church isn't like choosing whether or not you're going to go to Walmart versus Walgreens, whether you're going to eat at Cracker Barrel versus Taco Bell. Um, There is a time and a place to move along and to move on from one church to another. But we live in such a consumer-oriented society where we pick and choose that it can have devastating effects on the church. The church is not to be treated like a fast food restaurant. You will not find the perfect church. The old cliche, if you join the perfect church, you'll ruin it, so don't do that, um, is, is definitely true. There is no perfect church. The church is often boring. It can be awkward. It is often not passionate enough. It can be filled with mundane, mundane needs. It is easy to be hurt by people in the church. Just because you're hurt by people in the church doesn't mean that you cut and run. I was a pastor, assistant pastor in a church my first Sunday. I walked through the lobby of the church and a woman passed me, and uh, who I did not know, a total stranger, and said something critical to me and then kept walking. Um, and as I saw this individual uh, during my preaching times and teaching times, she would always come up and say something critical after I was done. One day I was speaking to a group of women teaching and uh, happened to sit down next to her, and she had something critical to say, and so I was like, what's the deal? I mean, come on, let's just talk about this. And so she did, and we spent about 45 minutes together, and I said, tell me what your disagreement is, and she had certain theological disagreements with me, and I said, well, why is that? And, and, and she told me, and then she said, well, what do you believe? And she really wanted to know why I believed what I believed, and we had a really good conversation, and at the end of that time, uh, we were really friends. It's worth it to work through difficult, difficulties in the local church. Now, some of you are saying, Ron, that's great, that's preacher talk, uh, I know you just have not been through what I've been through in the local church. I've, I've really been hurt, and it, it may be true. Some of you have experienced probably some very, very serious things. Uh, abuse can happen in the local church. Um, heresy can happen in the local church. Uh, I'm not talking about putting up with that. But I have experienced a few things in the local church. I remember one time I walked into um, my church... And a woman came up to me and said, you pastors have ruined our church. Well, good morning to you too. And um, as I saw this person over the course of many years, every time I would see her, I would greet her by name, I would say hello, I would smile at her, and she would never look at me and she would keep walking by every single time. One time I was tasked with teaching um, the officers in our church. A church that I worked at, a particular biblical subject. When I got done teaching, they literally booed and hissed. That's quite an accomplishment. Getting your officers to boo and hiss when you teach God's word. That was really, really difficult. Now, I say that not to say that I'm some kind of a martyr, but I am saying this that I have been through a few difficult things in the local church, and if you have been through a few difficult things in the local church, I understand. But just because we go through difficulties doesn't mean that we cut and run from the local church. Our churches are filled with lots of flawed people. I'm one of those flawed people. The local church is gritty. It's often not sweet and kind. It is not for the faint of heart. I wish the church were more boring, frankly. It is what Christ died for. It is the perfect place to show the grace and the love of Christ because Christ gave his life for you so that you might be part of the church. There is no plan B. The book of Ephesians says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The church is perfect in God's sight right now because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us and how we're declared right in his sight. But you know what? In reality, she has more than a few warts the church is not perfect. One day we look forward to the, the time when the church will be made completely perfect. But Jesus Christ loved the church enough to give his life for her. So yes, let's hear it for the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much in your wisdom that you have not designed us to be people who live in isolation. That we are to know you and to love you and to foster that personal relationship with you, but we are also supposed to do that in community. And I pray, Father, that you would help each of us here, each student, to find a place that they might call their church home. I thank you, Father, um, that I speak today not out of a sense that so many students are neglecting this, but really encouraged by the fact that many, many students have found a a local church home here. But I pray that that would be uh, more and more, and that even as students leave Covenant College, that they would continue uh, to serve the church, to embrace uh, their calling in the church, to benefit from it. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. And, Father, may we also love your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.